Sermon number 559, The Power of Personal Prayer. The sermon was preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, January 17, 1971. Its text is Mark, the ninth chapter, the 29th verse. And Jesus said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Being the pastor of a great, wonderful, large, congenial, and very warm congregation, one realizes that he, to keep that church harmonious and warm under the guidance of God's Spirit, he must treat all people alike, and we try to do that here in our family. Sometimes we don't perhaps do this and show courtesies to some when others are neglected. We do not mean to do this. But today I feel that I must make mention of some members of our congregation who have been and I'm sure will continue to be in the depths and the love of many of our hearts. It's wonderful to greet so many great people who come into this church. But it's always sorrowful to have to bid goodbye to some who are called on by God's guidance to other fields of labor and to other communities in which they live. And today we bid farewell to Elder Bob Stevens and his wife Charlotte and their son and daughter Karen Keith. We are most appreciative, Stevens, for all that you mean to us. And I make this mention because I know many of your friends do not know that you are leaving our community on Friday and would like to bid you in the warmth of our common faith, God's speed and God's richest blessing. We know you'll be back to see us from time to time, but we're most thankful for the leadership you have given us, and we pray God's richest blessing upon you. Today we read to you from a very important passage of Scripture, one that I hope you will listen most closely to as you hear the Word of God in the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel, beginning at the fourteenth verse. When Jesus and Peter and James and John joined the rest of the disciples. They saw a large crowd there, and some teachers of the law were arguing with the disciples. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were greatly surprised and ran to him and greeted him. Jesus asked his disciples, What are you arguing with about? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you because he has an evil spirit in him and cannot talk. Whenever the spirit attacks him, it throws him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth, grits his teeth, and becomes stiff all over. I asked your disciples to drive the spirit out, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, How unbelieving you people are! How long must I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? 
bring the boy to me. And they brought him to Jesus, and as soon as the Spirit saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a fit, so that he fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has he been like this, Jesus asked the father. Ever since he was a child, he replied, many times it has tried to kill him by throwing him in the fire and in the water. Oh, have pity on us and help us if you possibly can. Yes, said Jesus, if you can, everything is possible for the person who has faith. Well, the father at once cried out, I do have faith, but not enough. Help me. Now, Jesus noticed that the crowd was closing in on them, so he gave a command to the evil spirit. Deaf and dumb spirit, he said, I order you to come out of the boy and never to go into him again. And with a scream, the spirit threw the boy into a bad fit and came out. The boy looked like a corpse, so that everybody said, he's dead. But Jesus took the boy by the hand and helped him rise, and he stood there. Well, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive the Spirit out? Only prayer can drive this kind out, answered Jesus. Nothing else can. Those poor disciples. They felt like total failures. They were frustrated, somewhat angered, humiliated and embarrassed, disappointed, completely ineffective. You see, Jesus had given these disciples, just a short time before, power and authority to, to preach his word, to cast out demons and to heal the sick, and they had been somewhat successful. We have several experiences prior to this where these disciples were able to have the power to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. And then one day Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and they went up to the temple, or up to the mountain, and there, according to Luke, they were praying. And the other nine were left down at the foot of the mountain, and a man with a very, very sick young boy came and asked these nine disciples to heal his child. Well, they had done it before, so they said, sure. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they got excited, and they became very anxious, and everything they knew to do, they did. Everything that had proven effective and successful in the past, they did it again, but all to no avail. Some of the scribes and Pharisees, their enemies, you know, we always have them around watching, hoping to see us fail. They saw the disciples fail, and they laughed, they made fun, and this just made the disciples all the more determined, and they tried again. The boy still was not healed. 
Just then Jesus came down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And he saw this crowd of excitement and he said, what's going on here? And the father said, I have a very sick boy and I brought him unto your disciples to have them heal him. But they're not able. Jesus looked at the disciples, cast a few words in their direction. He too was disappointed in the disciples. Then he asked a few pertinent medical history, asked about the medical history of the young boy. The father told him, and then he reminded the father that with God all things are possible, and if a man has faith, God can do most anything, anything. And then he spoke to the spirit that was in the boy. And he commanded that spirit to come out of that boy and never enter him again. And the spirit left the boy. And the boy was healed. And the incident was over. And the boy and his father went home, the crowd dispersed, and the disciples could not wait until they got Jesus alone to ask him that burning question, Why, Lord? Why were we not able to cast out that demon? And the reply of the Lord is very simple. According to the Rise version, the Bible, he says, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now what did Jesus mean by that simple statement? What was he trying to get across in the form of a reply to frustrated disciples who said, Why couldn't we do it? Well, there are those who suggest that Jesus here is saying to the disciples, Men, if you just wouldn't have gotten so excited, if you wouldn't have become so anxious, if you wouldn't have yelled so loud, if you wouldn't have tried so hard, if you had just closed your eyes and bowed your head and prayed, the boy would have been healed. You tried everything but prayer, this group says. And the only thing the thing needed was prayer, and if you had prayed, the boy would have been made well. That's what one group says. Jesus meant by that particular saying. There's another group that said, oh no, 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 the disciples, they prayed. They did everything, but they prayed. The problem was they didn't pray long enough or hard enough or used the right prayer words. If they'd have done that, the boy would have been healed. There's a third group that says, no, that, that, that's not it. Prayer was made. But there were not enough people prayed. Nine people were not enough for that particular big situation. If only the boy and the father, if they had been praying, and if their faith had been stronger, the boy would have been healed. What do you think, Jesus? was trying to say to his disciples who were ineffective when he said this kind can be driven out cannot be driven out by anything but prayer 
I've wrestled a long time with this text. I think I see in an answer that Jesus is trying to give in here that maybe is a little bit different. I think what Jesus is trying to say here to the disciples, politely, yet nevertheless rather pointedly, the reason you are not able to cast out that demon is because of your ineffective prayer life. I think what Jesus was trying to say to these people is, gentlemen, if you had prayed prior to that particular situation, you would have had power in the presence of it. I think Jesus was trying to say to these people, you failed not because of your lack of effort in the battle, but because of your lack of prayer before the battle. I think Jesus was trying to tell us something that goes like this, that he has given not only to those disciples of his day, but to the disciples of every day, which includes you and me, great potential power to overcome illness and sickness and to confront and become victorious over the evils of this world. But that potential power remains only potential power and is not realized and become, becomes real until first an individual has nurtured that power with personal prayer. Now you think about that. And I think you'll be able to get some insight into what Jesus, I think, was trying to say. They were ineffective because of the lack of a real, strong, powerful, personal prayer. Now this thing of personal prayer is very difficult to understand. It's tough, and people do not have intimacy in private prayer by just listening to a sermon or just by reading a book. It takes struggle. It takes work. It takes time. It takes agonizing effort on the part of people who are willing to try and find God in the presence and power of personal prayer. And I must admit, I don't think Jesus does much to help us to find how and when and where to pray. For some reason or another, and I'm not here questioning the wisdom of divinity, I'm just being a little critical of it. And I certainly wish that, that Jesus had been a little more explicit in giving us some formula, in giving us some idea, some principles, some, something more than those little snatches that he gives us through the Gospels to teach us how and where and when to pray. Jesus would certainly have made my job far easier if, if he had done this. But for some reason, in his infinite wisdom, he chose not to. 
Remember the disciples were very anxious for Jesus to teach them how to pray. They never asked him to teach them how to create miracles, how to preach. But they realized that this individual in their midst had a power, a power that could not be explained apart from his personal prayer life. So one day after they saw this power in Jesus, one of them went up, being the spokesman for the whole group, and said, Please, Lord, please, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, personally, again, I don't think Jesus did a very good job in answering that request. Oh, yes, he, he gave them a model prayer, a prayer that is very beautiful, a prayer that has been handed down for over 2,000 years, a prayer which rightfully should be called the Disciples' Prayer, but which we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And please do not get me wrong, I love the Lord's Prayer. I learned it more than 30 years ago at the knee of my mother. It's beautiful. There's not a week that goes by that I, I don't engage in reciting it or praying many times with you this wonderful prayer. But to be very honest with you people, that prayer has never done much to help to teach me how to pray. Now that may sound like heresy, but believe me, it's truth. And I hope the situation is different for you, and I'm sure for many of you, the Lord's Prayer has been a big help in teaching you how to pray. Well, praise the Lord, but it hasn't done that for me. You know something? If I concentrate too hard on that thing, I can't say it. It's only when I let my mind go a little bit that I'm able to recite it for rote. But if I'm asked to really concentrate and think upon it, it's a little tough. And it's a beautiful thing. But in my particular case, it never really helped me learn how to pray. What insight I feel I've been able to receive comes not from what our Lord says about prayer or the prayers that he utters, but rather from watching him in the praying that he did. For you see, Jesus never verbally taught much about prayer, but he sure did a lot of praying. He never argued about the efficacy of prayer. He just practiced it. And when you look at Jesus in his personal prayer life, I think you can begin to see some things happening there that you can duplicate in your life and I can in mine, and which will enable us to find that power that God would have us to have and which can be found only through private prayer. When you look real closely at at the particular experience of Jesus, you'll notice that this individual never stopped within the process of a healing experience. He never hesitated in a confrontation with either a friend or a foe or an evil or a, or a, or a demon or an evil spirit. Never when he was confronted by those scribes and Pharisees did Jesus stop in the middle of it and say, Gentlemen, let's pray. Jesus never once that I can remember, and perhaps there is an occasion or two, 
We're in the presence of the deaf and the blind and the in the dumb. He said, please come with me and pray with me and we will pray with healing. We'll pray for healing. He never did this. You find in these situations, Jesus comes up to these people and says, take up your bed and walk. Your faith has made you well. Go and sin no more. You see, there's not many situations here that concern themselves with prayer. You notice even in this situation where he healed the little boy. Jesus doesn't pray for that little boy. He commands the evil spirit in that boy to come out of him and never to go into him again. Now, the reason I say that Jesus had this power to confront enemies, situations, crises, evil spirits, and be able to walk through them triumphantly, powerfully, victoriously, was because he had taken care of this situation in prayer prior to the confrontation of the crisis. You see, many times in, in, in his particular life, you find him going off alone. It's either up into a mountain, out into the sea, along the seashore, in a garden. Jesus leaves even his best friends behind, and he goes into that particular place of the secret and to pray to his Father in secret. And in those particular situations, I am suggesting to you that he was preparing himself, and yes, pre-praying himself into those situations which he could not name specifically as would be coming his way in the future, but which he knew in general would be coming his way, and he was asking God to equip him now so that when they did come, he would have the power to be able to be God's spokesman and to do the will of God with power in the presence of whatever situation he was called upon to act. Yes. This is one of the things I think we must learn about the prayer life, the private prayer life. And that's what was so important in Jesus' life, and that is why I think in the one little teaching that Jesus gives to us on prayer, he is so anxious to tell us, when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door. And when you have prayed to your Father in secret, you see, being pre-prayer, your Father will reward you openly with power. This is what we are to do. I really believe it. Is to prepare for these situations and not to wait for them to happen. So many times we have a confrontation or a crisis and, and then, then we pray. Sometimes we find ourselves being so weak in that situation when it doesn't have to be that way. For when we pre-pray about a situation of what we think might happen and ask God to be with us and to guide us and do his will in it, then we have a power when that particular situation comes our way. You see, Jesus in these periods of private prayer and being in his secret place, I, 
I'm not quite sure what he prayed, because of course he was in secret, but I think we can pretty well imagine that he prayed there for his specific needs and the interests that he had in, in the things of his life. You see, I don't think Jesus talked everything over with God. There were some things that he didn't have to talk about. God had given him a mind and he was able to figure them out for himself and to, to bring these things up before God would have been an insult to his own intelligence and make a mockery of prayer. But those needs that he had to have and which he could not supply for himself, he brought these before God and he talked with God about them. And if you'll notice very carefully, and it's difficult for us to accept those of us who like routine and prayer routines, Jesus had no prayer routine. Sometimes you find him in the morning, sometimes you find him in the night, sometimes in, in mid-noon, going off to be with his Father. You see, prayer routines can be very difficult, believe me, I know, because sometimes in my life I worry more about the routine than I do the prayer, and I go through the routine, but I haven't prayed. Jesus never prayed by the clock. He prayed by the need, and if the need was long like the time he was called upon to choose his disciples, sometimes he prayed all night. Other times only for a short time. But he talked the situation over with God, and he came always as, a, as an obedient son to a loving father, knowing that his father loved him, and his father would not give him that which was not good for him. Jesus knew, as he tried to teach us, that if our earthly fathers know how to give good gifts and they're evil men, how much more will our Father in heaven give us good gifts if we ask him? So Jesus came before the presence of his Father and asked his Father what he should do. He never came telling his Father what he'd like to see done, but he came asking his Father for help and for guidance. He asked and he received. He sought and he found. And he was persistent. And soon the answer came to him, maybe not in that prayer session, but he knew that eventually, somehow, sometime, somewhere, God would answer his particular request. And he felt in this way that he was doing what was right, and when he was doing what was right, because he always prayed not for his will to be done, but for his Father's will to be done. He had a power, because he knew he had talked it over with the boss, with the Father, and he knew that God would not do anything but was right. And all he did was allow himself to be placed in the situation where God would not necessarily answer the prayers for him, but answer them through him. And then you'll notice that when Jesus left the secret place, after he had talked the thing over, no matter how long it took, he went out into the world. He went again into the midst of whatever was before him. And he went, doing the first thing that came to his mind, the first loving thing that confronted him. And he knew that if God had not already answered, he would answer eventually, if Jesus would keep on doing those loving things which he already knew to do. And therefore he left, you see, that particular place of prayer and went out into the world and was able to walk with the grace and the power and the stride of a conqueror. 
because he had already agonized within the garden. Take this particular example. He had been up into the mountain, according to Luke, to pray. And he was coming down from the mountain, from the prayer, where I'm sure that he had asked God to help him to confront every situation that he would find until next they would be in prayer. Now, Jesus didn't know what that situation would be, but here he comes down from the mountain, and here is a father who is desperate about his ill son. And Jesus interpreted this as an answer from God. And he knew that God's will would be done. There wasn't a question in his mind about it, so he did the first loving thing he knew what to do was to try and heal that boy. So he said, evil spirit, come out of that boy and never enter him again. And the boy was healed, and he knew that this was the will of God. If you say to me, suppose the boy hadn't been healed, would that then have been the will of God? I don't know. And that's not the point of the, of the particular situation. The point is that Jesus had power in his life because he knew that the boy would, whatever happened, that would be the will of God. Whether the boy was healed or whether he was not healed is not where Jesus got his power. Jesus got his power from the knowledge that he had been with God, he had talked the situation over with God, and he knew that God's will would be done no matter what it was. And that's where he had his power. So he, in front of this situation, was not an individual who crumbled and fell and became all anxious and worried. He assumed the stature of a conqueror and as a victorious, powerful individual because his power was in knowing that God's will would be done. You see, not all things worked out the way Jesus wanted them to. You remember in the garden, Jesus prayed that this cup would pass from him. Many hours during the night, he prayed that he could escape the cross, but always not my will, but thine be done. And the reason that Jesus the next afternoon was to be able to be powerfully encompassed with the Spirit of God as he hung upon that particular cross was not because of the prayers that he uttered from the cross, but because of the power that came to him from the prayers that he uttered prior to the cross.